Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to an instant reaction podcast on the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to break down... I want to say somber, perhaps a little bit fired up. A breakdown, a big loss to the Melbourne Storm for the Parramatta Eels. My good mate, sixties, big fella. Uh, we uh, sort of both tip victories for the Eels on the uh, sort of predication that our left edge figures itself out, and guess what? It didn't. Mate, I, I I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to be logical to a certain extent, but I don't think I can because emotion is running very very high tonight. What we saw was the worst performance of the season. Oh, no, bar none. Bar none. The loss of the Warriors, understandable given who was out. Even, you know, even other losses where it's been frustrating, they all pale in comparison to what we saw tonight where it was just a systemic failure. Oh, it, it was a systemic failure. It was an individual failure. It was a team selection failure. It was failures right across the board. Yep. It wasn't good enough in a game where... The season was damn close to being on the line. We saw players playing reserve grade standard. We saw stars playing their some of their worst games of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I, I, you know, I'm a glass half full. Listeners know that I'm a glass half full supporter, and I'm always looking for the positive. There was no positive in tonight. It was a disgrace. It was nothing short of a disgrace. The team didn't turn up. And we've used that phrase before in the past, and I thought it was a phrase that was buried in the past. Right from the start, I don't care what you talk about with uh, you know, the getting that first try on the board. The Eels tonight were looking for shortcuts the mm-hmm. entire game. You could see that in the fact that there were players that were in attack. There was no attempt to win the middle. There was no attempt to lay a platform. We were just shift, 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 shift. There, there was no... There was no uh, preparedness to get into the grind. It was one of the worst games that I... Well, I've said it. It it was the worst game that I've seen from the Eels this season, bar none. They should be embarrassed. I don't know if they will be, but they should be embarrassed by that performance. And And we've seen other teams come out and say that they were embarrassed by performances and turn it around. I'm not sure... I'm not sure whether we can turn this around because we're still going to have players missing. We have an incomplete roster. Oh, mate, I, I hate to say it. I think we're cooked for the year. That's how strongly I feel we're, after tonight. We're pushing a big boulder up a very steep mountain right now, 60s. I'll, I'll tell you that. So before we rip into the carcass of this loss anymore, let's give a quick shout-out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Narellan, and Parramatta. You guys know that they help bring the show to you guys each and every time, so shout out to them. But, mate, yeah, let's get into it. Melbourne Storm 46 over the Parramatta Eels 16 down in Marvel Stadium. Obviously not playing at Amy Park due to the FIFA Women's World Cup. And, yeah, the Eels started brightly here. Sean Russell got over with a really nice finish in that fourth minute. But after that, it was just all Melbourne. Harry Grant went over 1-2, and both of them were just terrible indictments on a defensive attitude tonight, 60s. Uh, followed by Jerome Hughes doing much the same. 
So those first and, few- and I'm glad you used that word attitude because that's what I'm talking about with them not turning up. There were so many things tonight that were evident that they weren't prepared to play a hard, tough game of football. Yeah. Here they were. They're against the Melbourne Storm. We're down in troops. So already they know they're going to have to lift big time, really, really lift big time. And it's it's like there was no faith in the bloke beside them. It was – you could see the players looking around to blame someone. That is that is not a good sign. There were so many signs that I saw tonight, and I'm sorry for interrupting the oh, stats. No, I understand. But, but we saw – we saw body language, we sh- we saw play, we saw efforts that were that of a beaten team. And we saw it early in the game. And realistically, the Melbourne Storm toyed with the Eels. And I don't even want to talk about the left side. I can't talk about that left side, mate. It's, it's not even worth discussing because... We know what happened when the storm attacked out the eels left. There but was, you know what? There they was, weren't on their own tonight because they, they attacked the middle just as effectively. There was a humorous point late in the game where Michael Ennis said that with all the success that the Cowboys had down Paramount's left, he was surprised Melbourne didn't go there more tonight. I was like, are you kidding me? They scored like six tries down that side. So Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jerome Hughes scoring the 27th minute, another soft try. Eels hit back in the 30, uh, 32nd with a try to Jermaine Hopgood, which gave us a glimmer. Of hope, but that was quickly quashed with Ellis Aikatoa striking back in the 37th minute. And each of those four first half tries, 60s, uh, I think it's safe to say that the video review is going to be pretty damning because none of them should have been scored. Uh, the Melbourne Storm tacked on a sec- uh, another four tries in the second half, sorry, with Josh King, Marion Seve, Cam Munster, and Will Warbrick all going over. Uh, the Josh King and Cam Munster tries are particularly concerning in terms of the complete collapse of the defense, but at that point, the game was already lost. Nick Meany, very good off the tee, 7 from 8. Mitchell Moses, 2 from 3. The only real positive about this game was Luca Moretti getting his first career try in the NRL. So well done to Luca there. Had a decent stint off the interchange. Team stats, 60s, 50% possession. Some way, somehow. Equal share for both teams. Uh, time of possession, very, very, uh, very minorly in favour of the Melbourne Storm by 35 seconds. Uh, but they were far more efficient completing their sets. 86%, the Parramatta's 74 and then, as you'd expect, they dominate all the attacking stats. More runs, more run meters, more post-contact meters. 11 line breaks to 7. A lot of line breaks in this game. Uh, 41 tackle breaks to 26. Better average set distance. Uh, well faster in the play of the ball speeds. That's to be expected. Uh, offloads 14 apiece. Uh, going down to effective tackle rate. Both teams pretty ordinary here. Somehow the Eels are better. Uh, 86.02% to Melbourne's 85.71. But it sure didn't feel like that 60s. <laughs> Looking at the tape there, uh, it felt like Parramatta's defense was far more fragile than that of Melbourne's. Uh, seven areas to Melbourne, 11 to Parramatta. Three penalties conceded to Melbourne, two to Parramatta. We won a penalty count. We won a penalty count there. Wow. Uh, you, know, you know what? I actually think Ashley Klein took pity on us. Yeah, he did. With about, 20, with about 20 minutes ago, he did, yes. But in saying that, we won the penalty count but got hammered on the – no – Melbourne no, got we hammered. Didn't. Melbourne got hammered. I'm reading this wrong. Yeah. There. Seven ruck or six combined ruck and inside 10 infringements. The parameters free, uh, which then begs the question, I suppose, should the Simbin have been invoked? But also, that goes both ways. Klein was just very whistle happy or six again happy in this game. So that's how it is. Uh, in the I vid- mean, look, there were things we didn't like about Klein's performance. But I, I think we could have gotten all the course tonight because Melbourne had forward passes. Melbourne had some ruck infringements. And Klein could have given them all to us. 
and I still think we get beaten the way we played. Oh yeah, we, and we still don't get just beaten. We we get absolutely hammered because the 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 only thing that these Parramatta Eels players need to do is go and take a long hard look in the mirror. I mean, not a quick glance, not you know check out how, how am I looking today sort of thing. They need to stare deeply into that mirror and think to themselves, what do they want out of this season? And what do they think they should be doing when they pull on the blue and gold jersey? Because I'll give them a tip. It's the complete opposite of what they showed us tonight. Mm -hmm. In terms of notable individual performers, 60s, I mean, it's difficult. (laughs) It is a bit of an oxymoron when you lose like this, but uh, I think a shout-out you mentioned uh, to me before we recorded, Jermaine Hopgood, you thought he had a decent yeah. game. He went for yes. over 100 metres, had, I think, 50 tackles, 58 tackles, two missed. So very good there. Yeah, Bryce, yeah. He, he he absolutely gets a tick. Absolutely uh, gets Bryce a tick. Bryce Cartwright, 41 tackles, two missed, uh, but only 50 metres on the ground. Luca Murray came in, made 50 metres, only 10 tackles, but scored a try. So, you know, give, give him a, a pass, I suppose, tonight. Oh, no, you know what? I'm going to give him a tick because when he came on, he brought energy, and mm-hmm. that was the main thing that I was looking for from him. There is, I can't, I can't point any fingers at Moretti. I can't point any fingers at um, Jermaine Hopgood, um, Cardi. You know, one poor decision with an offload, another one passed slightly early. But I'm, you know, I'm not going to fall into a criticism with will, that one. Will Penasini, you know, 20 tackles made, one missed on the edge. So well done to Will. He also went for 125 oh, will metres. Was, will was enormous. But will again, enormous. again, criminally underused. I do not know yeah. why we prioritised yeah. attacking to our left tonight. It was so frustrating. I do not. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got no idea either. It's There were so many things that, as I said, that we, we can question tonight. Uh, the, and it, and it's not even in hindsight. No, with this, no, because... there was actually stuff caught out in our preview podcast here uh, that we were quite vocal on. And yes, we tip wins, like we said, on the basis that the left edge tidies up. But you also made a big point about you know the opportunity cost of Parramatta in recent seasons of not competing in the ruck or spoiling the ruck the way other teams do, and how it's just not netting us the advantage we would hope it would with the discipline. This is like the most prescient prime example you could have got tonight, 60s, where we were playing clean ruck. Klein got some early calls against us. And like you said, he took pity on us in the second half. But Melbourne just exploited it. And they just dominated the middle. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've been banging on about it in terms of it's it just it hasn't given us any sort of advantage when it comes to penalties. Uh, this being what the fourth penalty count that we've won all year, and the, and the penalty count was three two, so we actually got less penalties than our season average of four point four in winning the penalty count. That'll tell you what what happens That's there. And, football, and as baby. I said, I think I think Klein took pity on us tonight, without a doubt. With, you know, and and as for as for the uh, the six agains, we'll. How many did we get on the first tackle for a start? So that there were a few, yeah. And and to be perfectly honest, I think we saw Melbourne pretty much controlling the play the ball however they wanted to. They they were releasing the players when they were ready to release mm-hmm. the play the ball. We in in contrast get up ultra quick, allow allow those fast play the balls. We even saw it on the break where um, I think it was 
um, Bailey Simonson that made the cover tackle on the on that line break when someone ran through Dejan Arcee again. And yeah, Jerome, um, Jerome Hughes flopped and got the penalty. Yeah, no, no, it was no, it was. Um, oh, you're talking about earlier before that, but but no, it was the um, uh, line break out on the right, the the Storms right on our left. And then uh, the cover tackle was made by Bailey Simonson, but he peeled off the tackle really quickly, and they just passed it to the right, and they strolled over for a try. So the, you know, we we just do these uh, this clean ruck uh, mission that we're on, and it gets us nowhere. Like it, if someone can point out the any advantage that we get. I'd be happy to listen to it. And I, I don't think there would be any supporters out there that agree with the clean ruck mission. Now, I was all for it at the start of the year, but what I'm seeing, that, that was on the naivety probably for me that I believed it would, um, the weight of... The NRO and the referees should be true would to come, their mission yeah, statement. Would, yeah, exactly. Would fall the eel's weight. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm looking at, at penalties conceded and I'm thinking, no, this is a good thing. You know, but then when you look at the at the penalties that are received, and you realise how how minuscule it is, like to be sitting where they're sitting, and it's not going to change this week with only getting three penalties this week. So we're going to be sitting at the bottom of the table there. But you know what? The the performance that we put in tonight was worthy of a team sitting bottom of the table. Yep, agreed. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know, I mean, I, I I I'm not complaining about the refereeing in this. I'm saying. Just pack it in, BA. Just just pack in that tactic of a clean ruck because it is getting the team nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And, and the other thing, the other thing is too. I don't care who you put in on the wing. <laughs> I was going to go right there. I said uh, while we're sort of leveling criticism at Brad, yeah, uh, you cannot pick Wonga Blake. Uh, I, no, don't, and, I don't care and, if it's. I don't want to make a personal attack here on Wonga. No. People, I don't think it's doing the man any good selecting him on the wing. I, I think, I think it's finishing his career completely, putting him in first grade. I think it's destroying him mentally. You can see that, like he is, he is a shadow of the player from the past. And people will argue about you know Blake's performances in the past I like let's be let's be feeding him to the bloke he's he's got however many NRL games under his belt like it's not a it's not a small number of games he's he's been a highly paid NRL player at two clubs he is not even like the the smallest shadow mm-hmm. of who he was in the past yeah whether it's a combination of injuries or his confidence just being shattered he is not the player he once was. And like you said, it, it is important to actually give some credit to what he did for Parramatta in those first few years. He actually had some great games and really good stretches, but that is long gone now. And yeah, look, whether it's Samuel Louise, whether it's Arthur Miller Stephen, uh, whether you go even more left field from there, I don't care. It's got to be an option that isn't Wanga. It just, it can't be. I mean, he... Yeah, like I said, you, you, I don't want to get personal because Wanga is a, a fantastic bloke. Like every, everything I've heard about Wanga has been really positive as a footballer and as a player. So, like I said, we don't want to attack him in that regard. But I just think Brad made it has made a big mistake in the last two games in picking him. Yeah, and and look, we acknowledge that the the options 
just they're, they're not great like they're not uh anywhere near proven solutions but i think going for a young guy like louisu or afmil or steven uh, i think just brings more energy and they're going to make mistakes but they're mistakes that you can sort of bear with because they are young so yeah we got that one wrong um another issue was in a game where we have so much to play for our star players sort of shriveled up didn't they they uh sort of uh, wilted and you know whether you're talking Mitch, Quint, Junior uh, you know they all had their moments where it wasn't great No it, it, in a, a game where we wanted the team to turn up and again I'm, I'm going to come back to it the team did not turn up tonight they weren't willing to roll up their sleeves and do the hard yards tonight and uh, Brad cannot come out and say that there was effort in the in the performance because there wasn't effort in that performance. There were there were many times tonight where the effort level was was zero from some players on particular plays. Uh, and it, it just, I mean, you, you, like if we if we start with the captain, it was the most ungutho like performance from Gutho that I think I've ever seen. I mean, we had we had times last year where we felt he was carrying an injury because he just wasn't himself. Tonight, it wasn't a case of that he wasn't himself. He just had a shocker. Yeah, like yeah. he just had a shocker. Poor and defensive it was, reads, in, inefficient yeah. execution in attack, Ar- arm grabs in defence. Mm-hmm. Like yes, it was, sir. it was just yeah. Like it was, as I said, it was almost like. Uh, dare I say it, I'm concerned that they went down there believing they were going to lose. Maybe. I'm almost concerned that they went down there with a negative mindset. Is that possible? I mean, were they looking at last week's game and at the uh, and at their teammates, some of them, at, the, at their teammates that had problems, and did some of them think in the back of their mind, we can't beat the Storm? Because that was a performance that smacked of, we can't beat this team. And as soon as the blowtorch was applied... Yeah, they just melted. Yeah, because the, the tries came so so quickly and so easily. As we talked about, you know, we're talking about those fifth tackle plays where they were just getting over the line from like as straightforward a plays as you could see, just running directly at the line on the last tackle. And it's as as much as you do and you should and you can be critical and put the boot into the boys that are on the field tonight, you know, and that left edge struggled badly, like all components except maybe Bailey. I thought Bailey tried pretty hard, but, you know, Blake, Arcee, Davey, uh, the numbers aren't pretty reading and the, the tape's even worse. Uh, as much as you want to be critical of the players on the field, there's a, a lot of criticism to be leveled at the guys that weren't there tonight, 60s. You oh. Know, like from, well, from Dylan's massive indiscretion off the field to the, uh, you know, Ryan Madison taking the suspension to start of the season to Reg and Micah, you know, just having stupid, really stupid football moments and now costing the team for a month out in the, the highest leverage part of the season. 22 weeks of suspension, as I wrote about. 22 weeks. The nearest club, 12 weeks. Goodness. Now, now, what does that tell you? Like 10 weeks worse 
than the second worst disciplined club. Now, I, I've, I've talked about that we need to stop being a clean club around the ruck. I'll tell you what, we need to, we need to get rid of some of the, the dumb plays or dumb, or dumb off-field discretions that we've had this year because 22 weeks of missing not fringe players, but we're talking 22 weeks of missing key players, some of the most important players in the team. I mean, what happens here? Does the does the club fine the players? I mean, we know that there was a small fine for Dylan Brown, but 22 weeks, it's bad enough with the injury toll. Like, it's a significant enough injury toll this year. But you cannot lose players for 22 weeks. And not players of the calibre that we're talking about. You know, Dylan no. Brown, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison. You're talking about really core, integral players. And, and Micah too. I mean, we've, we've literally seen, again, as critical as we've been of Micah this year, look at the drop-off in performance from him to Wunga and what it's cost the team yeah. in the last two weeks. So, yeah, massive stuff. And, and for Dylan in particular, look, Reg and Micah and Maddo. Maddo's paying his dues back at least. He's been pretty good uh, ever since coming back from his three-week holiday at the start of the season. But uh, Micah and Reg... Yeah, they've cost us, but they're going to have to, you know, come back and, and make a difference. But for Dylan, he needs to be 2005 Andrew Johns, essentially coming back and, and you know, wheeling this team into the finals. He owes us, he owes his team, not just the fans, his teams, uh, teammates. Sorry, oh, I think, I think he's, I think he's going to have to make up for it next year, mate. I, I, you know, like, let's be honest, we're we're starting to get, we're pretty much at the stage where we need some decision uh, match results to go. The other way, there is nothing that I saw out of tonight's performance. I mean, if they if they played like that next week, right, the Dragons would beat them. Let's be honest. A performance like that tonight, we're not talking about the Eels playing at their best. I'm talking about a repeat of tonight's performance would not be good enough to beat the Dragons. And it's old boys week next week. It's the it's the blue and gold alliance reunion. That's who they're going to be playing up against next week. And you know what? When all's said and done, having the bye in the last round of the season actually turns out to be the worst week you can get it because it's going to be of no bloody use by then. Yeah, you, It will be wasted. Yeah. Like There will be no advantage in being there. What's the point? They get an early holiday. That's what it'll amount to. A, they get to finish their It's a brutal way of putting it, but I think it, I mean, it's a very realistic, realistic outcome at this point in time. So if they don't win well and win close to out uh, with what have we got, we've got Dragons, Roosters, Brisbane and uh, Penrith in the last four games or across the last five rounds, but the last four games for us with the bye. Yeah, so they've, they've got a lot of work to do. And, Are they, uh, and from those matches... There is not one where they pull an opponent back. Tonight was one where they could pull pull one of the competitors back. Yeah, like, obviously Brisbane and Penrith. Technically, you are making ground on guys ahead of you, but you're not catching them. So yes, no, is, no. That's why in the fact, games against the Cowboys and the Storm are being so painful because they're four point games in the context of the final series. Look, the bottom line is the say four weeks ago, the Eels' destiny was in their own hands. They've dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. They've dropped the ball. That's it's as it's as simple as that. And people listening to this might be surprised 
because as I said, I I fully and freely admit that I'm a glass half full supporter. Tonight, I, I I find it hard. There is nothing, there is nothing I can defend about our performance tonight. As I said, I can acknowledge some strong performances from some individuals, but there was so much wrong with tonight, and I can't. I, I have to keep coming back to. I fully believe they went down. They went down there believing they were going to lose because that performance smacked with it. And 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 John, I'm hoping that uh, I'd like you to put something about that in the title of this of this podcast. Like, did the Eels have? Did they believe? Did they go down believing they would lose? Some way you could word that because I think that that is, I think it's a prime factor. I don't think they believe they could win and they played accordingly. There was nothing positive about their mindset tonight. Nothing. Like the resilience level. A score out of 100 for resilience, zero. Zero. Am I harsh there? No, I mean, the the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Look at the the scoreboard, 46-16. And again, it's the makeup of how Melbourne scored those tries. You know, there was very little effort for a lot of them. It was just, you know, like smashing their way over the line from what should have been relatively easy defensive reads and executions. And the Eels just weren't interested. So, yeah, i got to agree with you that uh, if it wasn't zero, it wasn't much better. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, I was of the opinion that anything resembling... Uh, a team that didn't turn up was now out of our out of our psyche. I believe that even with the the losses that had happened earlier in the season, that the team fought. Yeah, they battled. Those, even last yeah. week against the Cowboys, as, as rough as that first half was, they battled. But that yep. wasn't true tonight. Um, and oh, no. like you said, and, whether and, they didn't have confidence in, like, let's say the left edge, because that sure feels like the biggest weakness in the team right now, but. They certainly didn't play like a team with conviction tonight. And against a team like Melbourne, they're going to sense that immediately and they're going to seize on it and they're going to punish you for it. That was a, 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 I'll come back to it. That was a mentally weak performance. Mm -hmm. It really was. So I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the headline. Eels go down in mentally weak performance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the truth, isn't it? And, Again, I'm a, I'm a bit puzzled as to why our priority was to push our attack to the left edge, uh, when you've oh. got you've got Dejan Arcee, Andrew Davy, Bailey Simonson, who again, to his credit, is having you know a, a really good season, but and Wanga Blake, who again either dropped the ball or looked absolutely terrified whenever the ball got into his presence. So on the ah, uh, but see, the storm would not have been expecting us to go to our left tonight, and <laughs> you know, and on the flip side again, I'm just I wasn't either. Hey, Melbourne, I wasn't either. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's like the double boff, isn't it? But uh, on the flip side, I'm just left scratching my head as to why Will Penasini is catching a cold down the right. Like, we got we got to feature him, and we're just not. You know, you got Mitchell Moses, a top two halfback in the competition. And he was involved on the left, but he needs to be taking the ball down his side. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, we just this was a game that was top to bottom, front to back, all wrong, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I, look, I guess... We'd have to ask our captain and playmaker. Maybe they were following game plans. I, we don't know. I, like we don't know. But there was. I didn't see training this week. I, I I couldn't say whether they were following game plan. Like, if if I'd watched training this week, 
and I saw them going against what they drilled during the week, I could say to listeners, look, they just went so far away from their game plan, it wasn't funny. But I can't say that. I have to assume that they played according to their game plan, that it was their game plan to go to the left. If it wasn't, well, then the then the captain has to be answerable to that. And, you know, he didn't have a great game tonight. So who knows? Who knows? It, it's, oh, yeah, I, I think, what else can we say at this point, mate? I mean, it's... Well, the big question is, how do you fix it? Can you fix it? Uh, you know, against the Dragons now moving forwards, what can Parramatta do to that lineup? Can you make changes? Can you adapt tactically? Can you inject a bit of concrete into their uh, attitude? So I don't know. Obviously, we want to see change on the left wing 60s, but is there any other change in the team that needs to be made? There's, I mean, can you make any other change? The While the New South Wales Cup team looks a lot better for all the youth that's been injected into it in the last two weeks, that means that there's not exactly a whole lot of options to come up into the NRL. I mean, well, I look, mate. I, all I will say is, if Hayes is fit, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to play, because here's a reality: if Hayes is fit, then we are down one winger. That's all. We're down one winger, and we're having to select Wonga, who. I'm even thinking he might, if he was asked, like, I, I don't know how confident he even feels about about himself in terms of playing. You know, is he is he is his confidence that shot that maybe he wouldn't even want to play first grade? I don't know. I mean, he probably can't say that. And maybe it's wrong of me to, to suggest that. But his self-confidence, I mean, look, it's there for everyone to see. But he... You can see the look of resignation on his face when he's made mistakes. Uh, so what what does it say about where our roster, our top 30 roster is at if you're down one winger and you don't have options for what you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. It's a systemic failure, isn't it? Now, we've been critical of Brad and his selection here, but in the same like same breath, we've recruited poorly. We've managed our top 30 substandardly. Uh, we, we, wing is the what well, seems to be, from an outside uh, view looking in, the easiest position to recruit for, to replicate, to sort of mirror in your roster below guys below the, first, like the top level. And obviously the guys that are freaks, the very best, you're not going to be able to cover them the same way, but... It feels like every other club, even teams like the West Tigers, can pull out, you know, some, you know, Jabroni or Reggie guy that just comes in and does a job. But for Parramatta, we're one winger down, and suddenly, it's an existential crisis. So we've definitely mismanaged that one sixties, and look, it's going to cost us badly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There, there would be, I would hope, a review of our roster construction. Yeah, how we handle uh, recruitment, how we handle our acceleration of talent. Because if you're not going to recruit, you need to be accelerating your juniors to be have them ready to play. And, you know, obviously Alf Miller-Steven is probably the guy that's in that spot right now, but they didn't pull the trigger on him this week. So 
there seems to be a left hand and right hand not in, in alignment here, right? Um, well, if you if if you don't believe that the younger pathways players are ready to come in and play first grade, then you have to have players in the squad who who are capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess on on paper, Wonga should be able to be that person. But he clearly I isn't. Mean, he, but... And, and, and the trouble is, yeah, he clearly isn't. So, and, and it was, and that was more than apparent earlier this season. So, and I know that attempts have been made to add to the roster before the deadline. You know, there's there's been players that the club's gone and spoken to. Uh, at this stage, we, we don't think there's going to be a last-minute addition to the roster. But, you know, should it come down to the like the last hours? Nope. Should it have come down to the last hours to get Not, someone added into that roster? Not with three, four, and even at times five top 30 spots available and you consider that Nathan Brown was always going to be moved on. So, no, it shouldn't have come down to you know, weeks into the season, let alone uh, days before the cutoff line for the mid-season transfers. Yeah, and now we're getting to the business end of the season and we we don't turn up. We just don't turn up. And that is a that is a mental thing. That is an attitude thing. And and it's a cliche. But we're basically saying the eels turned up with you know a a, a loser's mindset. There you go. There it is. It's a lo- we turned up with a losing mindset tonight. There is no other way because if if you're not prepared to do, um, if you're not prepared as as BA likes to play that the, the the that physical contest, the collision. If you're not prepared to get into a grind in an NRL game of football against a, a fellow top eight team, well then you're not you don't deserve to be in the top eight. That's the truth. And, yeah. and you know, unfortunately, the Eels, uh, I mean, we we couldn't just put it down to, like, if if the Storm had only, only exploited the left, Parramatta's left edge, and yes, they got some tries there. They scored but the majority they, of their points there, but they did plenty of damage for the middle and on our right yes, as well. Yes, correct, correct. There was... And there was nothing. I mean, the the reason that our attack looked so pop gun through the majority of that game was we weren't bending the the defensive line at all. Like we weren't causing them any fatigue. We weren't bending it back. We weren't challenging them in a physical contest, drawing them in through the middle. We weren't creating space because we were just going shift, 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 shift. Like we weren't tiring them out. It was just, it was helter skelter type football, and the storm were just eating up. They were just eating it up. It was too easy. There were no questions being asked. <sighs> Mate, I, look, I'm going to start going over saying the same things over and over again. I don't know that there's. I don't know that there's any point in going on any further. I don't want to give a three, two, one. I just want to simply shout out that, you know, we did have some good performers in the team in 
in Jermaine Hopgood, in um, uh, Will Penasini, uh, in um, Luca Moretti, Luca Moretti his, yeah, Maiden, Maiden and her old time. And and maybe maybe we might throw in Bryce Cartwright in there. Matto uh, was reasonable off the bench again. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it gets real thin real quick after that. Unfortunately, none of our star players you can throw onto that list, uh, and there are plenty on the flip side that you can put into the. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't talk about a list. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know what, I mean, we've we've concentrated a, a lot on Wonga, and that's not I. That's not to single him out. It feels like, you know, when I'm, I'm thinking back on what we've said tonight and I'm thinking we're singling him out. No, what we're singling out is his selection. And the reason that we are, as I said, is because it's indicative of the fact that we just don't have depth in the outside backs at the club. We can't be in such a level of crisis with only one winger missing, given that... You know, obviously, you've got every squad should have multiple outside backs that and and players that are just as capable. I mean, you're obviously going to have your specialist wingers, but in your squad, there there should be outside backs who you could call upon to be either centre or winger. I mean, what what's happening there? It's not um, moving forward. Dylan Brown obviously comes back into the team this week. His absence for seven weeks has been costly because if we're if we're honest, after the first few weeks, Dejan has struggled big time. And team, big time. teams have keyed into his struggles in defense. Melbourne went after him. Cowboys went after him. The good teams are doing their tape. They're doing their due diligence and they're attacking him. Yeah. And... And he, Dejan this year could have played a role where none of this was highlighted. Yep. For example, if he was needed for a week or two when um, two Origin three. was on mm-hmm. and um, and you had uh, players who might have been or had players, if Moses or Brown had been injured for a week or two, then he's going to do a job and he's probably going to do it really, really well. But as you just mentioned there, as soon as we start talking about a seven-week stint playing NRL, it finds a player out when they are need when they need to be up for week upon week upon week upon week, right? And once you start to go longer than a month, and there's plenty of coaches will tell you this as well, there are players that are in their squad and young players especially who, you know, you can you can get a good performance or two out of them. But as soon as you ask them to be in there every week, if they're not ready, they're going to be found out and found out quickly. And unfortunately, that's the position that Dejan's been in. And tonight, what we saw was, a, you know, well, we saw it last week. We saw it this week. It's it's a complete disintegration. There's There's obviously no communication that was going there on there on the left because you saw uh, Wonga jamming at a at a time where um, you know Bailey was was holding his spot, 
so it was it was like there was no point in the jam if the if the center was already covering the the center anyway um we saw but we still saw um Dejan and Bailey like obviously not communicating because they were coming together so there wasn't they they weren't operating in sync either and you've got someone else who is although he'd been there in the past was still relatively new to this season that that of course is Andrew Davey and so you're talking about all new combinations even Sean Lane seemed a stranger out there last week in the time that he was on the field because he's hardly played this year and he would have hardly played any football alongside Dejan Arce. And then once you've once you've got Wonga Blake added to it where Wonga's had a, a lot of time away from the game this year with injury as well as playing lower-grade football, and he's not used to playing alongside those players, well, those combinations, they're just not going to happen. And... Is it going to be all solved by Dylan Brown at five eight next week? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I honestly, don't know. I mean, to me, it's now wait and see who is selected outside of Dylan Brown because um, it can all come apart just if if you've got one player who's not in sync with everyone else. So. Mate, that's look. I guess that's where we're at. Um, have you got a? Have you got the stinger there, mate? Yes, indeed. Look, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Okay. Now this is normally a spot that's reserved for referees, and I think I've already had enough to say about the team. So, you know what I'm going to have a crack about today with this. People who leave shopping trolleys in parking spots. I've seen too much of it in the last couple of days. I'm angry. A special spot in hell for them, isn't there, 60s? It is. There is a. Talk about being uncivilized. I'm not talking about (laughs) people who just don't return the shopping trolley. I'm talking about ones that actually leave it in a parking spot. You go, beautiful. Here's a parking spot. And then as you get one third of the way into the spot, and it starts to reveal what's in front of you. And there, right in front of you, in the middle of the parking spot, is a shopping trolley. They're the, uh, the, the real psychopaths in society, aren't they? Oh, mate. They're, I mean, you talk about a special place in hell. There, there should be a place in prison for these people. <laughs> <laughs> they, should have, they should have CCTV film of them and distribute it to all the current affairs shows. And put it put it across there. Put them on front page of newspapers. Bastards. <laughs> and on, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and on that uh, segment of what grinds my gears this week, I think we'll uh, wrap things up. Yeah, devastating two weeks for the Eels. Sixties uh, against the Cowboys against the Storm. You had to have one, if not two, and they got zero. Which means now you got to win out essentially, and you got some formidable competition on the horizon. And uh, reinforcements, they're coming, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. So we're still going to be cheering our eels. Like you said, we're glass half full guys. 
Uh, but on the basis of what we saw tonight, there is a lot of work, a lot of soul-searching, and uh, hopefully some answers to be found during the week because the boys need to be much, much better. Well, mate, uh, I'm going to send out an apology to Mary Kay because she she says she will tune into the podcast because it helps her get over just <laughs> from the eels. You know, that's when she is most, you know, really looks to us to, to help her get past a bad loss. Mary, we can't help you this week. We're, we're struggling ourselves. Yes. So, and our, apologi- our apologies to anyone else out there who was maybe hoping to get a glass half full. But I think, you know, we wouldn't be honest with ourselves or with you if we didn't rip into this performance tonight. And can we also ask that people don't go making personal comments like, you know, about individuals tonight, like criticize the, their performance and the game, but let's not make disparaging comments about people as people, because even though we're fired up, it, it is just a game. And, People don't deserve to be ha, have their character or uh, themselves um, criticised outside of you know how they've p- just played a game of football, and it, that's and it's as simple as that. So, um, and uh, mate, just to wrap up again, our, our thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at Northmead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Uh, Thank you for your support. We hope we haven't gone a bit over the top tonight. We're just, it's been one of those games and one of those reactions. So thank you to everyone who's listened. And uh, John, thank you. And yeah, I'd still have to say it. Go, you eels. <laughs>